Are you looking for a great sci-fi read? If so, be sure and grab The Return by best-selling author Gabriella Balcom. Readers are calling it a thrilling ride that's fascinating and amazing. The world doesn't know about the compound hidden underground, and the wealthy investors funding it want things to stay as they are. It's 2030, and scientists have made numerous scientific advances. They use cutting-edge technology with their feline service units and human replicas, HRs as they're commonly known. However, most of the research being conducted in the facility is illegal. If animal rights activists had an inkling of what went on, they'd be clamoring for justice. Human rights activists would scream from the rooftops. More and more of the HRs are dying and they long for freedom. One of the top scientists isn't happy with the situation either. Tensions are mounting, and things are not as they appear. Other reader comments about The Return include, This is a thrilling ride. I hope there's a sequel. Man, it got me hooked. Best plot twist I've read in a book. You'll love this book. It had me on the edge of my seat. For more of Gabriella's works, check her out on Amazon.com in both paperback and Kindle form. Vampire. Werewolf. Djinn. Phoenix. Shapeshifter. And Witch. They all came from somewhere. Six humans started the ritual. Six supernaturals walked away. But they left behind the one person who could destroy them all. Reese. Now she seeks vengeance on those who stole their power from her body. She seeks her children. For they will pay the ultimate penance. Available at MythMart.com, Amazon, Goodreads, and Barnes and & Noble. And now, enjoy this free JZO Modcast show. Carry on all that you want, son. There'll be peace when you are done. Lay your weary head to rest Don't you cry Hey everybody and welcome to episode 133 Dear lord I hope so because I didn't even check Hold on It's not 132 no, I did 132. No, my live studio audience is so wrong. He is just wrong. And if he's right, I'm going to owe him a really big apology. <laughs> I did 132 last week. It is 133. Ha! 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 133. All right. Now that we have established that I am always right. <laughs> Okay, so um, as you can tell, I'm in a little bit of a goofy mood. It's very hot in my apartment right now, and I am too lazy to go into my bedroom and get one of the four fans that are in there. Ooh, ooh, 
but there's a delicious breeze coming in the window behind me all of a sudden. It's very nice. Um, so <laughs> my live studio audience is trying to blow me. <laughs> so I'm a little hot and I'm a little spicy. So let's see how this, this podcast is going to go. It's already off to a tremendous start. Um, mild housekeeping. Penance is doing well. Um, it ranked 84 and then jumped up to 50-something in Gothic um, fiction. And then it was also in the top 100 of Dark Fantasy. So, yay me! <laughs> I'm very excited about that. Uh, I'm still waiting for my copy, but, you know... Canadian Post. If you're Canadian and you've ever ordered anything that has to come through the Canadian Postal Service, you know. You know. Like, today. Okay, today. I'm waiting for stuff from Timu. Not a paid adver advertisement, just throwing that out there. But I could be. I'm willing to be bought. Just saying. Um, I ordered a that, that, that weighted hula hoop thingy. And no, there will not be video. Not right away. And three dryer balls, because my dryer needs balls, apparently. It's a ballless dryer. <laughs> so we're going we're to get it some, some, uh, um, some balls. We're going to get it some balls. I was trying to find a way to make, to mix dryer and testicle together, and it just wasn't working. So we're just going to go with balls. So I got these dryer balls because they actually do work. Um, you throw them in your dryer, cuts down on static, it separates the clothing a whole lot easier so they dry a whole lot faster, you use less energy, and you don't have to use dryer sheets. I'm still going to use the dryer sheets as well because I like the smell, um, but I want to cut down on the amount of energy that I'm using to dry my clothes. So anyway, I got a notice from Timu that said that a notice had been left about my packages that, you know. You know, when they try and deliver and they leave a little card and say, you know, notice has been left. Well, they never try and deliver here. Nobody ever tries and delivers here. The pizza guy won't even deliver to my apartment, okay? Um, the last time I ordered pizza, I had to meet him at the bottom of the stairs. It was the weirdest drive through ever, okay? First of all, it was like the second coming of Noah's Ark raining. And I met him at the bottom of the stairs. No bra. I did have shorts on, so he was lucky. I was wearing pants. Um, if you follow my TikToks, you understand the no bra, no pants. Anyway, I go down and I tell him, come down the alley. I'll meet you at the bottom of the stairs. So he pulls in and I open the door just as his passenger window gets to the door. So there's just enough room for him to roll down the window. I hand him his tip because I never trust that if I put the tip on the app that the driver's actually going to get it because I used to work for Pete's Pizza okay years ago and the drivers never got the online tips they never got them they were supposed to go on their paychecks but there is a four dollar um, delivery charge that is supposed to go to the driver and then you can also leave the driver a tip that is supposed to go to the driver and you can do all this online neither one of those ever went to the drivers ever supposed to go on your paychecks they never saw them so i'm always leery about leaving a tip 
on um, the app. I'd rather give it to them in person. And it, it's kind of personable. You show your appreciation. So anyway, he pulls up, rolls the window down, and I looked at him, and I said, this is the weirdest drive through ever. Instead of me handing the food into him in the car, he handed the food out to me at the door. <laughs> so he hands me my pizza. I give him his five-buck tip, and he was very sweet. He was flirting with me, and he said I was the cutest customer he's had all night. So, you know, it was great. I didn't tell my boyfriend. <laughs> I'm getting the look now. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> he was like 12, okay? <laughs> it made an old lady feel good. So, um, he goes, so anyway, um, I was going somewhere with this story, and then I got interrupted with the look. You know, the people's look. The, well, the people's eyebrow. This is the Jason look. <laughs> Um, are you typing? Are you telling me where I was going with this story? You are typing, but you're not typing to me. Who are you talking to? What are you doing? Anyway, I told you this was going to be a spicy podcast tonight. So, um, yeah, so nobody delivers to my apartment. So I get the notice from Timu that says that I have a notice that my, my package has been delivered. Okay. It got delivered to the post office, which is where I send everything. Go to the post office. There's nothing in my P.O. box. There's nothing in there. There's junk mail in there. Well, crap. So I get my car halfway down the road. I had a doctor's appointment today. And I was going to see my mom today because tomorrow's her birthday. Oh, excuse me. I drank my water too fast. Um, and I'm going to my sister's tomorrow, so I won't be able to go and see her tomorrow. Uh, so, and I mean, I might be spun off in a tornado. So I went and saw my mommy today and told her I loved her and kissed her and gave her a bag of um black twizzlers which is her favorite that's all i could afford she was happy with it though and then she's like i'm not gonna have any today so i get home and i get a text message from her i've had some because <laughs> it's really fresh it's really soft and if you like licorice you know what i mean by it's fresh and it's nice and soft i personally can't stand licorice i hate it Blech. especially the black anyway so i'm half an hour down the road going to Midland to go to my doctor's appointment and I get a text message from Timu your order is ready for pickup the post office finally processed the notice and then I could pick it up like well shit by the time I was finished at the doctor's office and got back to town the post office was closed so I'm gonna have to go tomorrow on my way out to my sister's um well as I'm leaving town totally opposite direction but whatever it's fine so um yeah so i'm waiting for my book and it's coming canada post so it could be here by november who knows <laughs> but i want to get my hands on it i want to feel it i want to touch it i want to hold it i want to whack it up against my head because it's a hardcover so you know that makes a good sound Monty Python. You had to. If you've seen Monty Python, you know the the skit that I'm talking about. The monks walking along with their board, and he'll whack. It's really funny. Anyway, look it up. So, Penance is doing well. Uh, Robert Piatone's book was supposed to come out on the 18th, but due to a scheduling conflict on my part, um, and. 
there was there were some things that needed to be moved around and all of that we have actually pushed it to august 15th so if you were waiting for that it's coming out august 15th um and tim law's book myrtle naughton will be coming out the two weeks before that in august so that's what's happening right now with dark myth publishing publications i'm getting the look again <laughs> i have a feeling this might be a podcast full of the look <laughs> my bad it's dark myth publications we do publishing so okay um anyway uh carrying on <laughs> i think that's it for housekeeping that's all i can think of um dark myth comics is over there doing their thing one four one three thirteen oh issue 13 has been um outlined and it's being worked on it's almost finished it needs some tweaking but Holy crap, it was funny. <laughs> I just got to say, it was funny. <laughs> it was really good. I really enjoyed it. And um, surprise, surprise, David K. Montoya did not write issue 13. Can I say who wrote it? Kevin Hoskin Hoskinson? I did say that right. Okay. Kevin from My Public Life is an American Nerd. He wrote issue 13, and he's going to be writing the next few issues. Right? Maybe? He's writing five? Five or six? Okay, so he's going to be writing the next few issues. That's all he had to say. He didn't have to make it that technical. He may write more. Anyway, he's writing the next few issues. <laughs> so he wrote issue 13. And, um, of course, I'm the editor-in-chief for Dark Myth, for the company, Jasomon. <laughs> so I edited it, and I really enjoyed it. I really did. There's some spots that need some tweaking, and, you know, it's the first draft. So nothing is ever perfect off the first draft unless I've written it. Um <laughs> I'm getting the look again. <laughs> In all reality, though, let me ask you this honestly. I'm asking my, my live studio audience this honestly. In all reality, how many times do I actually go back and rewrite something? I don't. Because I agonize over it before I write it. And as I'm writing it, it's, it's as I'm writing it, that's when I'm changing it. I will write a sentence and go, oh, no, that doesn't work. And I will take out that sentence and change it. And that's when I'm doing my editing is as I'm writing it. So by the time I get to the final period, I have already ripped it apart about a hundred times. And that's just the first paragraph. That's just the starting paragraph. <laughs> it can take me weeks to write the first paragraph of a book. So if, if you're struggling with starting your next book, don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. It'll happen. When, and once I get past that first paragraph, it tends to flow 
unless I leave it for too long. And then it's that agonizing, how do I get back into it? How do I find that voice again? And I'm, I'm working up to getting back into Magically Bound. I just did a whole tour of a Pioneer Village um, last week. I think I told you guys all about it. It was great. I had a good time. I'm going to go back. I was showing my mom the videos today and, and she's like, she can, she can totally see it. And then one of the houses that I said was Dawson house. She's like, well, yeah, that would be like, no mom, different Dawson's because in eternally bound, it's Marcus and Bell's son, Lance. And it's his house that I describe with the plaster and the Gothic and, and the big wood uh, beams and, and he had it custom built because he's a little weirdo but <laughs> um in magically bound it's lance's dad's house that it's it's marcus dawson who is lance's father it's marcus dawson's parents house because marcus's parents have died and marcus is living in the house kind of like lance um so when I was showing her what would be Marcus's house in this, the Pioneer Village was like, it was incredible. It was laid out exactly like I, how I saw the town in Magically Bound, exactly how I saw the town, where the shipyard would be, where the post office would be, where the doctor's house would be, where the general store would be, where the big rock was, where it would be. It, it was all laid out per, excuse me, bus. It was all laid out perfectly. So I was showing her the videos and she was laughing. And there's one that will never, ever see the light of day because I had an upset tummy that day. And I was alone. I had the entire village to myself. So I was not standing on ceremony. If I had to make a bodily sound, a bodily sound was had. And this was a rip-roaring good one. <laughs> I must say, I'm kind of proud of it, but nobody will ever see it. So anyway, interesting things have happened this week. Um, just in the last, I've lost my live studio audience. Just in the last um, couple of days, this huge chunk of somebody in outer space took out the trash because it, it landed on a beach in Australia and it looks really it looks like a time capsule I mean in, in all reality I'm looking at it it looks like a time capsule I have this crazy American right now screaming open it open no have the tombs in the pyramids taught you nothing Oh, because he's not going to be the one opening it, so he's not going to be the one that's going to die. He's not going to have his face melted off like in, in Raiders of the Lost Ark. He just wants to know what's inside. And I, I kind of, now that I'm thinking about it, it is kind of contained to an island, unless what's inside can fly. But I did point out to him that opening that thing and having little spider-like alien creatures come out and start eating the faces off of the Australians might not be the best course of action for the Jezomon Dark Myth Company. You see, one of our more, most, not, not most popular, but one of the top podcasters on our network, Tim Law, lives there. 
It's an island. They're eventually like locusts going to just clear the island. We're going to lose Tim. That's not what's best for business. So keep the damn thing closed, okay? Just don't do it. Walk away. Leave it alone. Push it into the ocean and let some whale, big, huge whale have a gold tooth. Because that's the color of it. It's kind of gold. Anyway, so a big chunk of space junk may have just washed up on an Australian beach. And it actually looks like it has been in the water for a while. It looks like it's covered in barnacles. So the Australian Space Agency tweeted a picture Monday, July 17th, of a possible piece of a foreign space vehicle, launch vehicle, near Jurian Bay. Tim, do not yell at me if I pronounce that wrong. In the huge state of Western Australia. The agency is liaison, liaising, communicating, I don't know why they just don't use easier words, with global counterparts who may be able to provide more information. Now, I saw this on a TikTok, and I do want to note, out of just random curiosity, I sent it, because it was interesting, so I sent it to my live studio audience, who happens to live in the United States of America. I'm in Canada. Australia, Canada, we all used to be under British rule. And my mom actually pointed out today that it was in her lifetime, she remembers when we went from, when Canada went from using the Union Jack to using the Canadian flag, the red and white. Mm -hmm. She remembers when it happened. It happened in my mom's lifetime. So it wasn't obviously that long ago. Anyway, um, interesting enough, when he tried to open the video, it was banned in his country. The entire page of that particular Australian TikToker was unavailable for him to view. <laughs> uh-huh. I have, I have like X-File music playing in my head now. You know, they the big cover-up. Ooh. <laughs> anyway. Speculation is swirling on Twitter that the object may be the third stage of the LVM-3 rocket that launched India's Chandrayaan-3 moon rover mission, given that Friday, July 14th, liftoff was visible from Australia. But the washed-up object seems to sport a heavy load of algae, goose barnacles, haha, <laughs> yes, one for me at recognizing the barnacles, and other hitchhiking sea life. More that more than seems likely for a mere three-day sea stay. For example, the magazine Boater's World says it typically takes weeks for barnacles to attach to a hull. Other rumors hold that the junk, huge hunk of debris may be the third stage of another Indian rocket, the Polar Satellite Launch Vehicle. But an experienced space tracker was skeptical of that idea. It doesn't look anything like that stage to me, Harvard Smith space debris expert Jonathan that's what I said <laughs> Jonathan McDowell wrote on Twitter the world's oceans receive a fair number of falling rocket bodies as launch operators try to bring their vehicles down in unpopulated areas after liftoff will you stop making faces at me he's singing <laughs> rocket man that's what he's singing 
<sighs> and nowhere on earth is less populated, by humans anyway, than the open ocean. And the Indian Ocean is commonly under the flight path of missions launching from India's Satish Dhawan Space Center. Um, so it's not particularly odd that an Indian rocket stage, if that's what the mystery object is, would wash up on a Western Australian beach. Some space junk falls are some space junk falls are more dramatic and controversial, however. Pieces of NASA's Skylab space station accidentally crashed into rural Australia in 1979, for example. <laughs> Speaking of Tim. <sighs> Tim, I'm podcasting. You'll have to wait a minute. <laughs> um, pieces of NASA's Space Lab space station accidentally, accidentally, crashed into rural Australia in 1979, for example. More recently, China has been condemned by the U.S. and other nations for allowing the core stage of its Long March 5B rocket to come back to Earth uncontrolled while building out its Tiangong Space Station. Just use normal names. The Liability Convention, 1972, from the United Nations establishes responsibility if space debris causes harm when coming back to Earth. It has only been used once in space history when a Soviet Union nuclear satellite known as Cosmos, see that one was easy to say, Cosmos 954 crashed into Canada's Arctic in 1978. <laughs> you don't dump your trash in our water. Get! We're not that nice, you know. <laughs> Actually, I can I can bring up some, some uh, moments in history when Canada was brutal. Um, Canada and the Soviet Union eventually settled on cleanup costs, independently of the convention, for 3 million Canadian, which is roughly the equivalent of 13 million Canadian or 10 million U.S. dollars in 2023 dollars. That's a lot of money. So, yeah, space debris falling from the sky. Um, obviously, it has fallen some time ago. And the tide has finally washed it up onto a beach. And now, of course, it's going to be big news because something big is going to happen that nobody wants us paying attention to. Like a sock puppet? A naked sock puppet. That's what that is. That's a naked sock puppet. Because it doesn't have a sock. <laughs> some days <laughs> okay stop it stop it stop it <laughs> stop. <laughs> oh okay so this is going to be called the most ridiculous podcast ever but that okay you know when you hold your hand up and you're like talking like a puppet think about it because you make it look like a sock puppet right well without the sock it's a naked sock puppet because <laughs> it, it's naked it doesn't have a sock see Naked sock puppet. What? Naked. <laughs> you need to move your lips. Don't, you're spelling bad. Stop it. Just stop it. Stop it. <laughs> oh no, I'm not getting naked. <laughs> 
Anyway. Okay, so now that we've crossed over to the R-rated version of this podcast, let's get into a little Florida man. So I saw a TikTok. I get a lot of stuff from TikTok. I see some really weird stuff on TikTok. Um, Taco Reacts is hilarious. He's the one that, that I usually see all my spider. Oh, hell no. No. Y'all need Jesus TikToks. His are hilarious. And then Kevin Lawson's another one. You know, Jesus, come fix it. <laughs> it's his, Jesus, come fix this. This is not right. Okay, so this guy. <laughs> this guy. Oh, my gosh. I'm melting here. <sighs> I'm fanning my shirt, and I think I just lost my live studio audience. Um, Florida guy. Florida man, all right? He apparently is a python hunter okay now this was posted on july 14th 2023 so this is recent too um how are we doing for time oh damn all right uh, fine accept all cookies anyway so a florida snake hunter's death defying wrestle with an almost six meter long burmese python six meters long do you know how many feet six meters is i'm gonna tell you that is the size of a giraffe a giraffe let's see how tall is a giraffe um i don't know what's happening i just Okay, you know what? I ask Google some really weird stuff sometimes. And this is the first time I've ever asked Google a normal question. And I get, our systems have detected unusual traffic from your computer network. The page checks to see if it's really you sending the requests and not a robot. Okay, first of all, they, they want to tell me that my face is already copyrighted. And now my computer's trying to tell me that a robot is asking how tall a giraffe is. I have to click... I'm not a robot. Oh, now I got to tell them where the fire hydrant is. It's right there. It's the big yellow thing that dogs pee on. There we go. Okay, so. Male giraffes are 4.8 to 5.5 meters tall. Male, fully grown male giraffes, which are, which is 16 to 18 feet tall. This Burmese python, what is six meters in feet? Because I don't know. That is 26, 26, 26 feet. That can't be right. Yes, it can, because it's another whole meter. There's three feet and one meter. Well, eight meters. Okay, no, not eight meters. Oh, I, that because I put eight meters. <laughs> All right, six meters. 19 feet. 19.685 feet long. This python was 19 feet long. 19. Giraffe. Okay? Giraffe. I am five foot three. I don't even come up to the elbow of a giraffe. 
So this dude, this Florida man, decides. So, he's 20. Well, that explains it. He's 22 years old. That explains it right there. He's a Xennial. I don't know what the heck. What are they? Zillennials. Zennials. Babies. They're babies. The 22-year-old's wrestling match with the giant python was captured on camera. Go to TikTok. You'll find it. Google it. You'll find it. It's ridiculous. With several others helping him to pin down the creature. Jake Willary said he spotted the absolute monster. 19 feet. While out on a hunt. What the... Is it? Oh, okay. <sighs> Just scared the crap out of myself. Alexa, turn on lamp. Okay. Thank you. It's 1235. My, my lights just went out, but I thought the power went out. Um, okay. Stop making noises. I just, I got creeped out all of a sudden. It got dark in here and I got creeped out. Okay, so Jake Willary said he spotted the absolute monster while out on a hunt for the invasive species in the Big Cypress National Preserve. Honestly, this is in Florida. Honestly, I had no idea this would be a world record breaker, he told ABC News. When I first saw it, the python was mostly concealed by grass, so I figured it was a 10 to 12 foot snake, which is about three meters. But then it slithered out onto the road and I could see the full mass of the thing and I knew it was going to be one hell of a fight. Dude, you think? He could have burped and swallowed you whole. Mr. Willary said it took three minutes to get the snake under control and tape its mouth closed. Okay, you know what? I need to make a comment about the tape, okay? In the video that I was watching, no, they did not use duct tape. Now, duct tape is what they use on alligators when they're tape it up the mouth they use duct tape why because it works have you ever tried to tape something with electrical tape and you know within minutes it's sliding off it's coming unwound it doesn't stick they taped the python's mouth with electrical tape electrical tape what if it hadn't worked did they have a plan b like what was plan b get eaten by the snake you know, electrical tape. <sighs> we did the best to tire out the snake while dodging its attempts to strike at us. I did see at one point in time he had his hands at the back. Like You're supposed to grab them by the back of the head. Now, if the snake is 19 feet long, it's obviously got a pretty thick neck. Okay. <laughs> so, and I'm watching this snake and it's coming up like this. Okay, like put your hands together at the palms. Spread them as far as you possibly can and then curve your fingers for teeth. That's what his mouth looked like. <clears throat> Kevin Lawson did the video. You need to, I will find it and I will send it to you because it's, he's funny. Anyway, the snake's mouth was huge. Like it, it, it was the width of the dude's shoulders. Okay, again, 22 years old this child was. So they use electrical tape to tape his mouth shut. He's a child. I'm looking at him now. He's not even old enough to grow facial hair. I, 
has he reached puberty? He said he was scared. And he, he says, I was scared. I definitely did not want to get bit by a snake that size. My friends and I were lucky to walk around, walk away unharmed. You might want to rethink your career options. Burmese pythons are found primarily in and around the Everglades ecosystems in South Florida, where the snake represents a threat to native wildlife. Residents are allowed to capture and humanely kill the invasive species. I'm sorry, something that size? How can you... I, beat it. Shoot it. Blow it up. Throw dynamite at it. Uh, flamethrower? I don't know. How do you kill something that size? Run it over? It would just... Speed bump. Run it over. Back up. Run it over again. I don't... I don't shoot it? I don't know. I, I just... No. 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 That's a whole lot of nope rope for me. <laughs> just... Just... No. 19... I'm going to have nightmares tonight about this I've been having really weird dreams I just have to let you know I've been having really really bizarre like the dream I had the other night and I don't even like the guy first of all I want to thunk him in the forehead every time I see him on TV because he is arrogant and cocky and unsafe um, he puts other people that that is something I want to talk about. So I watched the latest episode of Adventures. Hey, hello. Apparently it's just a hand now. Where are you going? He's walking away from me. Oh, he's going upstairs where it's cooler. No, oh, he's not. Okay. Anyway, so um Crystal and I now remember I, we were just we were tell, I was talking to you last week about um, how why Crystal and I watch Ghost Adventures. We watch Ghost Adventures so that we can make fun of Zach and Aaron and Billy and Jay. Um, I had a dream two nights ago about the crew. I'm not sure if the entire crew was there. Now, this isn't the first time I've had a dream like this. Same, like, similar scenario. Um, fighting, trying to contain. We're in, so this particular one, we're in a house. And it's my investigating team, their investigating team. We're working together. There's no TV cameras. We're not doing an episode for the show we are actually legitimately working together to try and contain and 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 clear this demon in this house and i don't know when it happened i don't know why it happened i'm not even exactly sure where it happened but the next thing i know zach is naked naked um i don't know if i was or not in the other dreams where he has ended up naked i've been naked too a couple of other people in the dream have been naked too it seems to be a, a thing a, like a, a a way of battling you know like instead of putting on your armor you're i don't know i don't know 
But I tell you, I have seen his bare butt more in the dream world than I ever want to see in any realm of consciousness or unconsciousness. I, don't, I, I, I woke up that morning going, what? I don't understand. And why does he have to fight demons naked? I've never seen him naked. He's always clothed and he's looking pretty sickly lately. I don't know if any of you have noticed, but he's looking kind of like he's he's almost like he's gone back to um, when they the first season of Ghost Adventures, when they did the documentary, the very first episode, when he was the skinny little nerdy pocket protector. He actually had a pocket protector. Um, button up, short sleeved shirt, computer geek. And he's kind of like he's gone back. Like he did like a, several seasons. He was buff and he was built and he worked out. And, and you know, he kind of carried himself where he couldn't lower his arms because his muscles were so big and he looked like kind of weird. Um, but now he just looks old and sick. I don't know. Anyway. But yeah, I, you know, all right. Zach, if you happen to be listening, I highly doubt you are. But in the off chance that in your podcast flipping because now we're on Sirius XM and Pandora um, and you happen to come across this podcast could you possibly do me a favor stay out of my dream state and if you're gonna have to invade my dream state at least put some clothes on keep your clothes on please I would prefer it thank you very much appreciate it but I still don't know what happened to the demon ah, Oh, we caught him. I hope he's still running around in this house in the dream world. What's I, I don't know. I don't know. So, yeah, like. <laughs> I don't know. It's weird. Um, okay, so since we're doing. We did Florida Man and we did like. Space junk falling from the sky let's go and check out our holy crap you type in florida man and like pictures of of actors actually show up. <laughs> that's just there was a minute no no there's actually a TV miniseries just out this year called Florida Man. <laughs> I'm going to have to check that out just because. Now, I used to watch The Glades. That was that was a good show. I actually enjoyed The Glades. Um, okay, well, see, I, I typed in Florida Man, and now all I'm getting is this stupid show I don't want the show I want Florida Man News for this year because you know it's warm there now and they've all lost their ever loving minds what do we got <sighs> okay here we go Fox 35 Orlando. They're always good for Florida Man stories. Okay, so we're going to hold off on the Florida Man for a minute. We're going to pop over to Strange News because that'll warm us up. 
That'll get us into the mood. Oh, dear God! Okay, so I didn't actually look at the picture of this first. Um, but there is actually a picture. So an 11-year-old boy caught uh, in Oklahoma caught a fish with human-like teeth in an Oklahoma pond. A boy in Oklahoma reeled in an alarmingly weird catch this past weekend. A pacu, the South American fish that's a cousin of the piranha, whose human-like teeth have long struck fear in swimming. You know, I'm like lifting my feet off the floor now, right? What is happening over here? <sighs> weird sounds are happening. Yeah, that I used to have nightmares when I was a kid. I had this reoccurring nightmare of, of sharks. And I would think like once the lights turned out and I was in my bed, my carpet, my floor, everything under the bed turned to water and there were sharks circling the, the legs of my bed. So that's why I lifted my feet off the floor just now. Instinct. Um, an otter. <laughs> okay, so an otter. <laughs> it's kind of cute. An otter in Santa Cruz is hassling surfers and stealing their boards. The five-year-old female southern sea otter was first seen hijacking surfboards in Santa Cruz last September. Officials successfully drove the otter away from the area, but she has since returned. <laughs> Come on, just let her hang flipper. You know, she can't hang ten, so let her hang flipper. Uh, oh, okay, now I did actually see this story of what happened to this guy, and it's kind of incredible. So, Philip Stringer was the only passenger on his long-delayed flight from Oklahoma City to Charlotte, North Carolina, and he credits the crew for their positive attitude, and he's planning a trip to visit them soon, the entire crew. So... Phil, I'm going to read you the actual story. Phil Stringer lived both a traveler's nightmare and dream come true all in one day. Recently, when he waited, he waited out an 18-hour flight delay to find himself the only passenger on the plane. Stringer, 34, is the chief operating officer of a real estate brokerage and also consults with businesses about using AI. He travels frequently for work and despite the many woes plaguing the airline industry, says his trips have generally gone smoothly until one Sunday late last month. His early morning flight from Oklahoma City to Charlotte, North Carolina was incrementally delayed throughout the course of the day for maintenance reasons. I'm sorry, if they're going to delay the flight for maintenance, they can take all the time they need. Check every screw, every rivet. I don't care. Take all the time you need. Uh-oh. Oh, oh, wait. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Hey! Whew, excuse me. <laughs> don't look at me like that. That is how I sneeze, okay? All right. Where was I? So he set up shop at an airport Starbucks and when it closed, a table nearby. When he finally, when he finally called, when he was finally called to his gate just before midnight, he found it nearly empty. I thought that everyone had boarded and I was... Stop it. Go away. I thought that everyone had boarded and I was late because no one was there, Stringer told NPR in a Zoom interview. But 
the gate agent was like, no, honey, you're the only one left. It was just Stringer and four four flight attendants whom he says were called back from their hotel for the roughly two and a half hour flight. He says they collectively decided to make the best of a less than ideal circumstance. Apparently the flight attendants didn't want to be there either. They spent the flight cracking jokes, teasing, and just chatting with each other, an experience he documented in a now viral TikTok video. Yes, this is where I saw it. You were, you were like, look, we can either be negative about the situation and make a bad situation worse by our attitude, or we can be positive, lighthearted, and try and make something of this and at least just have fun, Stringer says. The positive outlook surely came in handy when, after the flight finally landed around 3.30 a.m. local time, Stringer realized his long-checked bag was lost. He found it after 45 minutes, then drove an hour to Greensboro, stopped home for a quick shower, and went to work. That is a dedicated man, let me tell you. Obviously, he doesn't have a wife and kids. That could have been the end of that, but two things happened. For one, Stringer and the flight attendants have kept in touch, texting regularly in a group chat about their day-to-day lives and viral fame. He's even bought plane tickets to visit them at their home base in Dallas later this month. And Stringer's been getting all sorts of calls and supportive messages from people who've seen his TikTok, which has garnered more than 10 million likes. He says he's heard from television producers who want to make an episode about his experience and even got an invitation to join the celebrity video sharing platform Cameo. Stringer had a feeling that the video would take off, but not to the extent that it has. The most moving messages, he adds, are from strangers who say it made them smile even during a hard time to think about how they can incorporate some of that positivity into their own lives. People have reached out and thanked me for literally shifting their perspective on their bad situation to where they can smile or they can be kind to another person or pass it on to someone else, Stringer says. And so that's been really cool to see and something I didn't really expect with the video. Stringer hadn't been intent on spending a full day at the airport. He tried to rebook his flight but figured out it was the only option that would get him home in time for his Monday morning meetings. He didn't realize how long he would end up waiting or just how much the airport would clean out in the meantime. When he finally got to the gate, he says it was a ghost town. I almost felt badly because I was like, man, they're going to fly this whole plane for one person. Like, that's such a waste, he says. And then two minutes later, the whole flight crew walks in and they look at me and see that I'm the only person. They're like, are you freaking kidding me? They all wondered why the flight wasn't just canceled. Stringer says the gate agent offered him a few reasons, including that airlines make more money on the cargo they transport than passengers. So they still have to get their planes to the next destination for takeoff. So it seems like they would have flown the plane with or without me, he says. Other flyers have gotten commercial planes to themselves in recent years, including a woman traveling from New York City to Washington, D.C. in 2018, a Lithuanian man flying to Italy in 2019, a Florida college student on his way back from England last year, and a passenger headed from Portugal to Ireland in April. Stringer says he hasn't heard anything from American Airlines, not when he spent several hours on hold with them from the airport trying unsuccessfully to get a refund, 
nor in the wake of his story going viral. We know it can be frustrating when travel plans get delayed and are thankful for our crew members who went above and beyond to care for Mr. Stringer during his flight, American told NPR in a statement without responding to specific questions. Stringer credits the crew's positivity with turning his rough travel day around. As soon as the flight attendants saw him at the gate, he says they began teasing him for single-handedly forcing them back to work in the middle of the night. They joked good-naturedly that he'd be sitting in a middle seat in the back of the plane with no snacks or drinks. And I was like, okay, that's fair. That's fine. But let's see how many times I can hit that call light. This, like, like, this is going to be fun, he recalls. And so that kind of built a fun rapport between us before we even boarded. There are certain announcements the crew had to make, by law, even though they had an audience of one, Stringer says. So he got a personalized safety demo, as well as a special shout-out at the end of every PA announcement. Yes, Phil, we're only talking to you. (laughs) He says they laughed a lot, got to know each other, and even tried to find some games, like bingo, to play on the way. They made sure to trade numbers at the end of the flight. As he sees it, the people who can be positive in a negative situation are the type of people are the type of people he wants to stay connected with. Stringer calls himself a firm believer in a person's attitude determines their direction in whatever they do, and he hopes that one's that's one lesson people take from his experience. If you're going to through a hard time, if you're going through a difficult season in anything, or it could be something as silly as a delayed flight. If you choose to shift your focus to something positive, you could absolutely change the situation just by changing your perspective and your attitude. Find the joy. Mike, I know you're listening. Find the joy. I did it for two years. I did joy statuses. And I even now, when I find myself in a a tense situation or... um, a frustrating situation like I had to when I flew from California back to Florida it's a four and a half hour flight the cheapest one I could find the only one really that I could find with the the shortest layover was seven hours just over seven hours and I had to do a layover in Colorado okay so I am leaving California in April So I've got on a light pair of pants and a t-shirt. Everything else is packed in a big ass suitcase under the plane. I get to Colorado, I get to Denver, there's snow on the ground. Yep, there's snow. I have no coat. I am wearing capris, so I don't even have long pants. I don't have a sweater. Uh, I don't have a blanket, a scarf. I don't even have a tissue that I could, you know, possibly put over a hand and keep it warm. I had nothing. Nothing. I stayed inside the airport, obviously. And I was thankful that I am no longer a smoker or a vapor because I didn't have to go outside. And I kind of admired the snow and, 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 you know, appreciated the fact that I had to fly somewhere to see it. And then I was going to fly out of that place and not have to see it again. It was great. <laughs> and I just kind of wandered around the Denver airport for two hours and didn't, well, actually it didn't even take that long. I, we landed, I got off the plane, 
I got McDonald's because that seems to be a thing with me. Um, when I'm waiting for a plane, I get McDonald's. Uh, when I have a layover, I get McDonald's. So I got my McDonald's, sat down, spilled my fries all over the floor, ate my, my McDonald's, and then went to the bathroom, came out, and it was time to board. It was, you know, didn't take that long. Got, got on the plane. And it was kind of nice, too, because I know sitting for four and a half hours, I know that's not a long flight, but for somebody with bad knees like I have, I did a lot of water skiing and a lot of um, snow skiing as a kid, so my knees are shot so to sit in that position and not be able to stretch out my legs after a couple of hours my knees start to ache so you know for fly to fly for two hours to be able to get off stretch my legs walk around you know and not have to kind of dodge seats as i'm weaving my way to the back of the plane to go to the bathroom that feels like it's gonna suck your ass out through the hole when you flush um it was nice and then get back on the plane and another two and a half hours and we landed so it, it wasn't it wasn't bad yeah but i having the whole plane to myself i would feel so guilty i would i mean yeah i get it they're getting paid but if it's in the middle of the night you know that those flight attendants were in their hotels of course you wouldn't feel guilty you would feel like royalty And that would get you at the back of the plane in the middle seat with no snacks and no drinks. I would feel guilty. I would be in first class. <laughs> because I'm Canadian. So every other word out of my mouth would be, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. Oh my gosh, I'm sorry. I feel so bad. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. We have a variety of ways of saying I'm sorry. A variety of tones. Um emphasis on different parts of the sorry yeah we're good we are experts at saying sorry so that that story kind of like just the fact that the even the flight attendants decided to make the best out of a bad situation they could have just stayed in the galley and ignored him it was only a two-hour flight they could have just stayed in the galley did you know whatever and ignored him but they decided to enjoy themselves and, and, and make it you know the best they could. All right, back to the strange news. Against all odds, the rare devil's hole pup fish keeps on swimming. The devil's hole pup, fit, pup fish's natural habitat is a single water-filled hole in a cave in the Nevada desert. Its number one, its numbers at one point dwindled to just 35 animals. All right. How does it manage to survive? Let's find out. Because I've been to the Nevada desert. It's hot. There's not water. Have you ever felt stuck in a bad situation that you couldn't get out? I'm kind of seeing a theme developing here. Have you ever felt stuck in a bad situation that you couldn't get out of through no fault of your own? And all you had to do was just make the best of it. Such is the life of the devil's whole pupfish. This small, iridescent blue or green fish swims in the hot waters of an inhospitable fishbowl made of rock in a Nevada section of Death Valley National Park. All right, where it somehow got trapped thousands of years ago. The deep cavern that is this fish's 
only home is surrounded by a chain link fence, razor wire, and other security measures designed to protect this incredibly rare endangered species. In 2013, go away. In 2013, its population hit a low of only 35 fish. But over the last couple of years, the Devil's Hole pupfish has bounced back, thrilling and somewhat baffling wildlife managers who are still trying to figure out how this tough little fish manages to make a go of it. Last year, in the spring, they counted 175 observable fish. This spring, the count was the same, which means that the population has been holding steady. A wild population of just 175 fish doesn't sound like a lot. But this is the best the Devil's Hole pupfish has been doing it, doing in about two decades. Times are good now with Devil's Hole pupfish compared to how they've been in the past, says Jenny Gum. <sighs> Sorry, I went straight to Forrest Gump. The fish biologist with the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service. Exactly how the pupfish have recovered to this point is a bit of a mystery. The question that I receive and my colleagues receive is, why? And you know, we're trying to answer that, said Kevin Wilson, an aquatic ecologist at the National Park Service. Wilson first learned about this iconic fish as a kid back in the 1970s, when he tagged along with his geologist mom on a field trip that stopped by Devil's Hole. I just remember as a young lad just laying down on this wooden observation deck looking down into this immense hole in the ground and was fascinated, says Wilson. At the bottom of the hole is the pool where the fish swim. No one knows how deep it is. Scuba divers have explored to a depth of over 400 feet and still haven't reached bottom. The pupfish, which are only about an inch long, have no natural predators. Without fear, they'll curiously swim up to inspect divers or anything else that enters their isolated world. The fish tend to hang out near the top of the pool, swimming around in the shallow water that covers a rocky ledge. There they feed on algae and spawn. Oh wait, there they feed on algae and spawn. See commas, man, come on. <laughs> Sounds like they're eating their own. <laughs> the water isn't exactly cozy. It's 93 degrees Fahrenheit all the time, says Wilson, and its oxygen levels are low. Plus, about four months in winter, the pool remains entirely in shadow, which is not good for tiny plants that the fish eat. It's not a great place to live if you're a fish, that's for sure, says Gum. The reduced amount of food in winter is thought to be why spring counts of this fish have historically been lower than counts done in the fall. Last fall, researchers observed 263 fish. The next count will come in September. I'm hoping that we cross the threshold of 300, says Wilson. Part of the fish's recent revival may be due to some dramatic events that have shaken up life in Devil's Hole. In July of 2021, a rare flash flood poured in, in an enormous amount of muddy water. The volume of water that went into the habitat was just so much, says Gum, who worried the fish would die from a change in water chemistry, or even just the sheer violence of the flood in its churning debris. It was the first time Gum felt like these fish might really go extinct on her watch. She recalls going to the hole just after the flood. Walking into it, we weren't sure what was going to be there, she recalls, and the water looked like chocolate milk. You couldn't see any fish. She ment mentally prepared for the worst, but then she saw a few fish, and then a few more the next day. 
Turns out that the flood mainly ulti may ultimately have helped the species by bringing new nutrients into their environment. And a couple of days after the flood, the fish got hit by another unusual whammy. A magnitude 8.2 earthquake struck Alaska. Even though the epicenter was more than 2,000 miles away, it created a mini tsunami inside Devil's Hole. The video cameras caught the water sloshing around. All that sloshing may have helpfully redistributed materials brought in by the flooding. Another mini tsunami happened last year when a magnitude 7.6 earthquake in Mexico caused four-foot waves inside Devil's Hole. Wilson says that these kinds of disturbance events can clean off the precious rocky shelf that the fish depend on, benefiting the fish by basically hitting the reset button for the whole system. Video from one earthquake shows pupfish streaming past the camera as if the fish knew what was happening and where to go to be safe, says Gum. They've been living here for a lot longer than we really comprehend, she says, but with the best estimates suggesting they've been in the hole for, oh my God. These fish, at their best guesstimations, estimates with all of their research, they have been in that hole for 10,000 years. Yeah, that's a pretty darn good fishbowl. They're used to it and they know what to do. So that's pretty cool. There's a whole lot more about the pupfish and if you want to go and read it, you are more than welcome to go and read it. It's the Devil's Hole Pupfish. <laughs> oh yes the corpse flowers the corpse flowers bloomed in july the titan arum has become a rock star in the plant world for its unpredictable displays and more notoriously its putrid stench of hello cornholio <laughs> devil's cornholio <laughs> oh my gosh Telling you I'm going to have to go video one day just so you can see the ridiculousness of my live studio audience. Um, oh my goodness. Okay. All right. I love roller coasters, but I think I may have to give them up if this ever happened. Roller coaster riders were trapped upside down for hours after mechanical failure. You imagine the headache you would have? The oscillating fireball was just sliding down from its vertical loop at a festival in Crandon, Wisconsin on Sunday when it stopped unexpectedly, suspending its passengers for hours. I mean, you would have think they would have gone up, they would have called the fire department, they would have gone up with the ladder truck, and they would have removed... They do it on TV. Why can't they do it in real life? Just saying. Uh, what? Having an out-of-body experience? Blame this sausage-shaped piece in your brain. An obscure bit of brain tissue appears critical to both out-of-body experiences and our sense of being anchored to a physical self. Interesting. <sighs> oh, well, yeah, that makes total sense. Hot dog eating contests are distinctly an American tradition. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. USA burp. <laughs> the 
There's nothing obviously patriotic about scarfing down as many hot dogs as you can in 10 minutes. So how did competitive eating become so synonymous with the holiday celebrating the 4th of July? Is it going to let me? It's not going to let me. Oh, wait. It will let me. What? <laughs> I don't know what he's yelling at me, but he looks ridiculous. <laughs> he's shoving the sock puppet in his mouth. <laughs> Naked sock puppet. <laughs> Okay, so there's nothing obviously patriotic about scarfing down as many hot dogs as you can in 10 minutes. Test your limits. Is that what you said? Exceed your limits? Eat your limits. Eat your... Ebies, eat your Ebies. <laughs> I can't read his lips because he's not moving his lips. <laughs> Just unmute. Oh, eat your enemies. Oh, see, enemas was going to be my next guess. <laughs> okay, eat your enemies. Anyway, so how did competitive eating become so synonymous with the holiday celebrating the 4th of July? So to find out, host Scott Detrue visited a hot dog eating contest in Washington, D.C. Where else would you go but a town full of, pol of politicians? And producer Matt Ozug unpacks the evolution of eating as a sport from a 17th century farmer to today's televised competitions. Well, that's it. That's all they're going to tell me. All right. That's very unpatriotic. Um, astronaut blood? Why do some people get rashes in space? Because they're allergic to not being grounded. Oh my God, he's so ugly. He's cute. Scooter, the winner of this year's World's Ugliest Dog Contest. Chinese Crested Pooch. Born with backward hind legs. A rescue once destined for death has been crowned the world's ugliest dog oh no thank you i don't think so have you heard of the titanic step inside the world's only nuclear powered passenger ship built in 1959 no <laughs> that would be i won't go on a cruise ship to begin with so no <laughs> That'll be a no for me. I think I'll pass. I don't care. Did Barbie, the Barbie movie really cause a run on pink paint? Don't care. Um. Oh, yes, I saw this in June. I saw the TikTok of this in June. A driver's, I sent this to you. A driver's car soared 120 feet after vaulting off a tow truck's ramp in Georgia. Came flying down the highway, didn't see the tow truck. Went up the ramp and off the end. <laughs> yeah. Yep. It was captured by the on video by the body cam of the sheriff's deputy who was helping another crash victim on the highway. <laughs> you know you're going to get busted. 
let's see. How a Jeopardy champ's disappearance from the show left fans mystified for decades. I don't remember. Kurt Cobain's broken guitar sells for nearly $600,000. Oh, 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 speaking of things that are selling, hang on, I gotta Google it. Google it. I gotta Google it because I heard it today and I was very excited. So apparently Chevy Chase is selling bits of the land shark. So if you've ever watched Saturday Night Live, you know the Chevy Chase bit of the land shark. He comes and he knocks on the door, telegram, and they open the door and he goes, and he eats them. Or, you know, comes back, knocks on the door, candy gram, they open the door, and he eats them. That's the whole premise. He, he, he convinces somebody to open the door and then he eats them. That... So he's auctioning, he's selling off scraps of his SNL past. So we're pretty sure he's doing just fine for cash. If you believe those online net worth estimates, he's good for about 50 million. But that doesn't mean he isn't starving for attention. His latest attempt at making some noise is a novel one for sure. A limited edition, only 40, costume card containing a scrap of his original Saturday Night Live Land Shark costume along with Chevy's authorized signature. And it can be yours for the low, low price of only $500. That would be a no. <laughs> Even if I had the money, that would be a no. Oh, it comes in like this little teeny tiny wallet-sized card with a little teeny tiny window in the card. So you see a teeny tiny piece of material through the teeny tiny window on the teeny tiny card with his autograph scrawled in red marker and a picture of him in the shark costume. He posted that on, you know why? Because he's irrelevant now, because he's old. Sorry, dude, but you. It, it. There's a lot of scratch considering the original Land Shark sketches aired nearly 50 years ago. Oh, shut up! But I wasn't watching it when I was one. So, you know. The bits were a takeoff on Jaws, a white hot blockbuster back in 1977, but maybe not moving a lot of $500 trading cards in 2023. What? Funny enough, Chase isn't even seen on screen in the sketch, though we can hear his muffled attempts at subterfuge. Plumber. Candy Graham. I'm just a dolphin. <laughs> and then you just see the shark head as it eats the person. Chase's Landshark costume was recently in the headlines when its legendary designer, Ralph Lee, passed away. The comic shark, at least until it was scrapped for parts, was his lasting legacy. For many people, it is my claim to fame, Lee said in 20, 2003. When I was making it, I thought I would get, it would get used once and shucked. It took a few years, but the mask is indeed getting shucked now, with Chase cutting up at least a part of the smelly old costume for a quickie cash grab. 
40 cards at $500 a pop is a cool 20 grand. Not bad if it means having to sign your authorized signature a few dozen times. And if this one sells out, sky's the limit. A single necktie that Chase wore as Gerald Ford could be dissected into a hundred character cards. A weekend update blazer could yield even more. Hey, you can't take it with you, so you might as well chop your past into tiny pieces and make a few bucks while you can. You know, I'm actually, I was kind of excited about it at first, but now I think I'm more disgusted at, at the, the money grab of it all. Like, it's it's not even a distinguishable piece. Like, you, it's it looks like a piece of muslin. That's it. It doesn't look like it's anything, really. Like, you could print up these cards, copy his signature, and there you go you could claim you've got one of the 40 pieces and then auction it off on ebay for six hundred dollars and be rich all right so that is it for strange news the rest the other two are just not that great so now we are going to jump on over for a little florida man before we round out this ridiculous episode <laughs> okay so i'm trying to find good ones because you know florida woman charged in toddler death isn't really funny <laughs> i was warming up my tongue sorry um all right so let's see We don't really okay. What is happening with the Florida people? They're not doing stupid things. Oh, okay. Hold on, hold on. We have a poolside iguana. Let's check this out. So, Florida man's hilarious reaction. Where did it go? To poolside iguana sneaking up on him goes viral. What is wrong with you? I'm seriously, okay, so it has been over a hundred the last few days, last week in, in California. I'm pretty sure it has fried the circuits in my live studio audience's brain. It fried his phone, so it's safe to say that it's fried the circuits in his brain. So a Florida man's high-pitched squeal to an unexpected visitor swimming in a pool with him has become a viral sensation on TikTok capturing the attention of millions who thoroughly enjoyed his candid reaction. All right, there's a video. Let's see. Can we hear him screaming? Storyful said she and her daughter were having fun at a Florida water park when they spotted an iguana in the swimming pool. After spotting the reptile, they immediately popped out of the water and Diaz started recording the lizard that was quickly making its way through the water. 
The video captured the moment the lively iguana swam up to a man relaxing on pool noodles, and his response was, as you heard, hilarious. Oh, that's what he was doing. He was flapping around. The unexpected sight triggered an involuntary reaction from the man, and a high-pitched scream escaped his lips, echoing across the pool area. <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, oh, okay, so I just got this song. <laughs> I touch myself. Uh, a Florida man was arrested after touching himself on Volusia County Beach in front of young girls. Yep. Wood chipper. Um, <laughs> Florida man swallows cocaine during traffic stop. Dumbass. <laughs> he decided to swallow them all because he was desperate to hide them. Good grief. All right, so let's... None of these are funny. Oh, that's just wrong. That's just... Okay, dude, clean up your own mess at least. So a Florida man allegedly beat his grandmother to... Or beat a grandmother to death with a hammer. And then called the housekeeper to clean up the bloody scene. Like, come on, dude. At least clean up your own mess. Alright, let's see. <laughs> oh, no, 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 no! Oh, here we go! <laughs> Alright. So y'all know how I feel about the trans debate, right? You, you know, if you don't, go back a few podcasts. You'll figure it out. So Florida Man wins Women's Poker Tournament sparking debate about men in in women's sports florida man drew ire over the weekend when he entered and won a women's poker tournament at the seminal hard rock hotel and casino in the sunshine state dave hughes 70 entered the 250 no limit texas hold'em event with a prize pool of up to seventeen thousand four hundred and fifty dollars of the 83 competitors to enter the tournament, 82 of them were women. And the last one was Hughes. Hughes ended up defeating Diana... I don't know. At the end, and take home $5,555, according to the Las Vegas Review-Journal. Hughes was allowed to enter the women's tournament as Florida casinos are prohibited from banning men from entering women's tournament, according to anti-discrimination laws. But you can't say gay. Okay. Somebody needs to check the water down in Florida. They're drinking something that ain't right. Uh, the newspaper noted that Nevada casinos have a similar rule. The World Series of Poker Ladies event has a 10,000 buy-in tournament and women receive a 90% discount in hopes of keeping men from entering. So it's a women's tournament, but men are allowed to play. Oh, he is clearly a man. 
He's not a trans man. He is clearly white beard, halfway down his chest, man. A video from Hughes' time at the tournament on Saturday was posted to Twitter. Some players put a bounty on him, which rewards a player for eliminating him. The bounty went unclaimed. Good luck. Not really, the woman in the video can be heard saying. The issue of a man playing in a women's tournament sparked a debate. I love ladies-only poker tournaments. I would have no problem with them having a men's-only, and I wouldn't enter it as I would not qualify for it, Poker Hall of Famer Linda Johnson said via Poker News. I would have no problem if they had a tournament for 26-year-old motorcycle-riding Mohawk haircut seniors, and I wouldn't enter it because I wouldn't qualify. I don't think men should play in ladies-only tournaments. Well, that's just common sense. Ladies only. If you have twigs and ber- uh, twig and berries, then you can't play with the bushes. I'm sorry. Not when it comes to poker. If it's a ladies-only. <laughs> You keep going and I'm going to make a comment that's going to turn your face red. <laughs> All right. Anyway, that said, I think there is a total overreaction to a few men who do enter. They're usually looking for attention, so why give it to them? Maybe we should just ignore them and play our best. This is just my two cents and you are welcome to put your own thoughts on this. I think I just did. Charlie Carroll, a British poker player, also weighed in on the issue in a tweet saying initially that it was hilarious that he won. It pokes fun at the, uh, at the idea that anybody can identify as a woman and be allowed to enter women's spaces, Carroll said. It's a real issue that people are taking advantage of in many different areas, including sports, prisons, and changing areas. This has led to some horrific repercussions, female inmates being raped in prison, or women getting destroyed in MMA fights by somebody who spent 95% of their life as a man. It does suck that it comes at the expense of the women's only space. I wouldn't do it even though I probably share the same criticisms. Female-only spaces in poker are really needed. Mixed poker can often be absolutely horrendous environments for women to be part of. The trans issue is a lot easier to handle in poker, as the stakes are relatively low. The difference between male and female players is negligible negligible enough that the incentive for men to join women's spaces isn't really there. It does speak loudly to the insanity that's playing out on a larger scale. So speaking of the insanity, I have to throw in my own WTF story. So I was watching, again, on TikTok. I was watching this series on TikTok and they had an interview with somebody clearly gay, openly gay, you know, he made that point, and he was arguing that only gay people should play gay parts. Only trans people, trans actors, should play trans parts. But dwarves cannot play dwarf parts because that is discriminating against other actors. That other actors, normal-sized actors, should be allowed to play dwarf parts, not dwarves. What? 
somebody explain that to me because my brain cannot wrap itself around the concept that only gay people should play gay parts, only trans people should play trans parts. Logic would dictate only dwarves should play dwarf parts. But no, dwarves aren't allowed to play dwarf parts. You think I'm kidding? Google it. I am not kidding. This is a clear debate in the acting world. I mean, with all the 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 need to make everything absolutely politically correct and inclusive. I'm sorry. The story is Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs, not Snow White and the Seven Normal Height People who identify as dwarfs. It's Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs. Little people. So you want to accurately portray the story, you use dwarves. Not tall people. Yes, okay. Granted, granted. Oh, I can never remember his full name. Oh, come on, really? Something's happening on my computer because it keeps making me guarantee that I'm not a robot. So John Reese davies Granted, John Reese davies did do a believable dwarf in Gimli in Lord of the Rings. But that was all camera angles and boxes and uh, putting like um, Orlando Bloom and um, Viggo Mortensen up on boxes and having John Reese davies down lower and shooting from a higher angle or a lower angle. They could have gotten a dwarf to play it, but he was the best actor for the role. So my throwback on this is anybody can play any role. I have seen very heterosexual males play gay men, convincing gay men in movies. Jolene, Charlie, <laughs> I'm confused. Supernatural, Charlie. Oh yeah, Charlie. She is. She's. She's got a child. So and she she played a lesbian, a convincing one, Charlie from Supernatural. Um, I was also thinking like Heath Ledger, Jake Gyllenhaal, Brokeback Mountain. That is a decidedly gay movie, okay? But they are playing two straight men in the movie. Anyway, but if you can play the role convincingly, why shouldn't you be allowed the opportunity? Now, I'm sorry, there are very few normal-sized actors that can convincingly play a dwarf. But there are a ton of dwarf actors, whatever the little people, whatever the politically correct term. Now, this this gentleman on this interview um, did say he prefers to be called a dwarf. He's a dwarf. He has dwarfism. What? 
Would you like to join the podcast? He's a wrestler. His name is Hornswoggle. Did you see? Did I send you the TikTok? Yes, I did. I okay. Did. Okay. Anyway. He's the wrestler Hornswoggle. Hornswoggle. Okay. Well, he's a dwarf. And he prefers to be called dwarf. But he's also an actor. Now, if you are... Like this this gentleman that said only gay people can play gay roles. Only trans people can play trans roles. But dwarves are not allowed to play dwarf roles. You are putting an entire group of people out of work. If you are banning them from playing the roles that they're going to be the best at and the most convincing at, you're putting them out of work. And if you've all been following the big strike right now with the writers and the actors, um, they can't afford to be out of work. (laughs) They're not making a whole lot to begin with. So, like, come on, people. You're just, you're starting to be ridiculous now. Stop it. Stop it. My girlfriend, Crystal, constantly, and I agree with her wholeheartedly, COVID broke the world. It broke it. The crazy people had way too much time at home in their brain and somehow convinced themselves and other people that they're crazy is valid. And, and and important and worthwhile I don't know but yeah COVID broke the world because in 2018 none of this was an issue trans people were trans people and they were doing their thing and living their lives having their surgeries kids were kids Their biggest worry was were they going to wear shorts to school or were they going to wear pants and regret not wearing shorts by lunch? Not whether they were going to get gender-affirming counseling in grade three or puberty-blocking drugs at eight years old. Because that's a thing now. That's an acceptable thing now because your seven-year-old comes to you and says, I feel like a boy today. All of a sudden, you're rushing them off to to counseling and and gender-affirming groups and giving them puberty-blocking drugs. What is wrong with you? If the child says they feel like a boy, fine. Slap a pair of pants on them, slap a baseball cap on them, cut their hair short and say, okay. You can be a boy. Don't pump their bodies full of drugs to alter them. Because that child, a lot of times next week, will want to be a unicorn. Or an alligator. They're seven. They're not even sure what the body parts are for at that age. They know that they pee out of this hole. And they poop out of that hole. And that's about it. They don't know what boobs are. They don't know what a penis is or a vagina. They just know that they sit on the toilet, things come out, they wipe, they go. That's it. That's all they know. That's it. They don't know if they're a boy or a girl because they don't know what it means to be a boy or a girl. They haven't experienced the physical sensations of being either one. So if you need to be 18 years old 
well, I mean, it's 19 in Canada, 21 in the United States. If you need to be, we'll go max, minimum age 19. If you, in Canada, if you need to be 19 years old to buy alcohol, if you need to be 19 years old to buy tobacco products and buy cannabis products, if you need to be 18 years old to vote on what happens in the country you live in, you should be 18 years old before you can decide what chemicals you're going to put in your body to alter the physi physiology of your body. There, you know what? I've said it. I said what I said. And I, 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 my opinions are not those of the company. <laughs> Cheers, babe. My opinions are not, are not those of the company or anybody who works for the company, they are my opinions and my opinions alone. There's the disclaimer. If the five that is spotted doesn't like my opinions, I'm sorry, remove my podcast. Not the network, just me. That'll be another feather in my cap because I have said something that has rattled you, that has made you think maybe all of this wokeness, all of this accepting of absolutely everything and making everything a safe space for all kinds of people is a good idea because it's not it's not i'm sorry it's not because now you've opened the door for minor attracted person pedophiles call it what it is call it spade a spade You've opened the door for them to find their own place within your community because they will never, ever, ever be a part of mine. Nope. I will never accept that. Ever. I'm sorry. You can call me a bigot. You can call me a racist against a map. Okay. Because the last time I checked, a map was something that you folded awkwardly and stuffed in the glove box. It was not a sexual orientation. So, that is, you've opened the door for predators to use the ability to identify as whatever they want to to get into wherever they want to so if somebody decides that they identify as a six-year-old child they now have access to daycares and kindergarten classes because that's where they feel comfortable and we have to make them comfortable do we not so stop the crazy. Stop it. Just stop it. <sighs> okay. Now that I've gotten that off my chest. <sighs> Let's go back to Florida man. There's nothing good for Florida man. I think even Florida is scared to be crazy. You're eating lemons. My tummy hurts because my boobs are heavy. <laughs> That's the truth. That's what I'm complaining about. 
My tummy hurts because my boobs are heavy. All right. Let's see. There actually is... Okay, so I was giggling about this earlier and I mentioned it. There actually is a Florida Man limited TV series which is launched on Netflix. Most of us are well aware of the popular Florida Man accolade and its association with some of the most bizarre stories that have ever come out of the state. You coined the phrase Florida Man? Okay, so David K. Montoya coined the phrase Florida Man. He did that on Seeing Red. Okay, just putting that out there. Most of us are well aware of the popular Florida Man alkylade. Um, and its association with some of the most bizarre stories that have ever come out of the state. Netflix has taken the term a bit further by introducing a limited series titled Florida Man, set to drop later this month. The show's main character, Mike, is a struggling ex-cop who is forced to return to his home state of Florida to find a Philly mobster's runaway girlfriend. Mike is an avid gambler who has lost his job and his wife. Sounds like a country song. According to the show's trailer, which has amassed 324,000 views on YouTube. In an effort to clear his debt owed to the Philly mobster, he embarks on the journey to find the man's girlfriend who's left for the Sunshine State. Expecting this to be a quick gig, he spirals into a journey full of buried family secrets and an increasingly futile attempt to do the right thing in a place where so much is so wrong. One scene shows a Florida man unleashing a machete in a gas station. The show created by Donald Todd stars Edgar Ramirez, Abby Lee, Anthony LaPeglia, Otmera Morero, Lex Scott Davis, Emery Cohen, Clark Gregg, Isaiah Johnson, Paul Schneider, and Lauren Buglio. Buglioli? Buglioli. There we go. So it was released April 13th in the U.S. I don't know if it's in Canada yet. I haven't seen it, I don't think. I might have. I don't remember. But there you go. So you can go and, speaking of Florida man pulls out a machete after Barr refuses to let him sing another karaoke song. They all got machetes. Florida man says he reeked of alcohol, but he wasn't drinking. Um. <laughs> Florida man hides in insulation debris to evade arrest for alleged burglary. Stuck in an itchy situation. <laughs> oh, dear Lord. Great white caught off Florida coast. Well, I ain't never swimming in Florida. Alligators don't scare me. Sharks definitely scare me. Uh... <laughs> Florida man accused of driving 100 miles an hour to get girlfriend to Taco Bell interview. Apparently she really needed that job. Ooh, and it was in a 40-mile-per-hour zone. Oh, and there were three kids inside the vehicle. Good Lord. Florida man slaps a woman with slice of pizza during an argument. They do that a lot. I'm telling you, Florida people have issues with assaulting other people with food products. I mean, come on. Stop it. 
Uh, I'm not finding anything funny for Florida Man. Florida Man, you have been you are very disappointing this week. We just ain't got it. I guess because you so much you're not allowed to do in Florida now. They're all afraid. COVID broke the world, man. Just seriously broke the world. Broke Florida, man. It hasn't been interesting since 2019. All right, peeps. I think we are going to wrap for the night. We have been at this for one hour and 40, oh, 40 minutes now. Um, I need to get to bed because I am leaving for my sister's for a few weeks so next week I will be podcasting from Sarnia at my sister's so that should be an interesting um, configuration we'll figure out how that's going to happen so y'all know the rules be kind don't lick shit and be kind to yourself be gentle with yourself Um, I know a lot of my gentle I said gentle dude you just played with lemons that could hurt um i know a lot of my friends lately have kind of been struggling and with mental health issues and just i don't know what it is in the air but everybody is kind of just a little so just be kind to yourself be gentle with yourself if you need a day in bed to binge watch real housewives of orange county then do it take the day but, you know, the, the basic rule, the number one rule, don't lick shit. And I actually had comments because I use that tagline on my pot or on my TikTok page. I do my, my bra or no bra every morning. And I always end it with, and remember, don't lick shit. And I had a smart ass comment, but what if I like to lick shit? But what if I want to lick shit? And... Or no, she said, what if I want to lick stuff? And I replied back, yes, but do you want to lick shit? And she commented, oh no. <laughs> so you can take it figuratively. You can take it literally. Don't lick shit. Okay, everybody. Have a good week. And I will talk to you all next week. See ya. Carry on all that you have done. There'll be peace when you are done. Lay your weary head to rest. Don't you cry. Don't you cry.